Welcome to another episode of Inside Startup Investing. As always, I am your host, Chris Lestrino, founder and CEO of King's Crowd. Inside Startup Investing is a number one podcast for learning about the best startups and investors in the online private markets. If you are a startup investor, this is a show for you. This podcast is powered by King's Crowd's proprietary rating technology that helps us to uncover the best founders and stories that you need to hear about before clicking invest. Now, before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, LawCloud, the premier solution for founders to prepare to raise capital online. Whether you need to file a Form C, a Form 1A, or a subscription agreement, LawCloud provides the lowest cost, easiest to use toolkit for founders to make raising capital online easier than ever. Now, on to today's show. We are sitting down with the co-founder of Players TV, Colin Costella. Now, for sports fans, Players TV might be one of the most exciting companies raising capital right now that you can invest in. This startup sits at the intersection of the evolving media landscape and the changing world of athletes becoming their own brands beyond the game. So if you've watched shows like Drive to Survive that's covered F1, you know the impact that smart media can have on growing a sport and the athletes within it. But what if the athletes could own a piece of the narrative? That is what Players TV is all about. So with that, let's kick it off. Colin, thank you so much for joining us here today. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. So Colin, first off, you got to tell me a little bit about yourself um, and how Players TV came to be. So I kind of got like a, a little bit of an odd meandering background. So I basically started as a junior high and high school art teacher at a tiny little town in rural Idaho. Uh, they only had about 150 kids, grade 7 through 12. Um, and really, I went into education because my mom was an elementary education professor. My dad was an art teacher before he went back to school to be an architect. Um, and really, I loved basketball and wanted to figure out a way to kind of coach and kind of do that sort of stuff. So um, I ended up getting my teaching certificate when, uh, you know, kind of taught and coached for, for about four years. And then as I was kind of doing that, I was like, hey, I want to make basketball my full-time gig. You know, I kind of got long-distance running genetics to make basketball my, my full-time living. So I thought about maybe going back to school and being a graduate assistant um, and doing the kind of the college coaching route. But I had a background in graphic design and web development uh, a little bit. And so I thought, hey, I think this internet training could be a big thing. Um, so then I decided to launch my company, Shot Mechanics Basketball, which is essentially online sports training for, for basketball players. Um, and then so essentially started that, started growing a YouTube channel, um, you know, kind of got that to about a million subscribers and about 150 million lifetime video views. And then from there, I met my co-founder, Duran at Players TV, and he was doing a lot of sports marketing with different athletes. And he started representing me and my brand as far as, you know, kind of doing uh, sponsorship sales and all that sort of good stuff. And then, you know, we kind of came up with the idea for Players TV. It was kind of a spitball. Um, and then, you know, we were kind of plugged in with a handful of different athletes, and then we were kind of off and running. So, you know, as I was growing the basketball training stuff, I really started to fall in love with more of like the digital content creation uh, kind of side of the company and less about the actual basketball training. Um, and so, you know, at the same time, I was doing consulting for brands like Nike, the Jordan brand, the NBA, as, as well as a handful of others. And so I was really kind of cutting my teeth on this kind of digital content ecosystem. And so once Deron and I started kind of chopping it up back and forth, we were thinking like, hey, you know, all these athletes want to create content and they want to own their own production company and they want to kind of get in the space. 
but none of them really knew how to do it and none of them really knew where to distribute their content. I had to get into it, but didn't exactly know how to monetize it, how to get it going and where to put their content. And so essentially like, hey, what if we focus on distribution first and then content second? Whereas like most of the time when people want to start an athlete, you know, kind of like, you know, sports media company, they think content first and then they don't really think about where they're going to put it. So we really kind of started with uh, really trying to crack the distribution egg first and then kind of, you know, bring a bunch of athletes into the fold. So that's kind of how we, we got it rolling. Well, that's really interesting, and, and let's get into that a little bit because the, the distribution component, right? Traditionally, if you want to get uh, your show or your idea kind of produced and, and on TV or streaming or whatever it may be, like you got to go to traditional production companies. You got to know the right people. It's not necessarily a very easy thing to do. So, how do you take what is a very challenging process, involves a lot of rejection, a lot of time, a lot of involvement? and make that a really simple process to help these athletes be able to do exactly that. Yeah, at the end of the day, we really kind of focused on we need to own the rails of distribution, right? Because once you own the rails, you have more essentially leverage in the deals that you're working on if you do want to syndicate your, your content elsewhere. But at the same time, you know, the more you can kind of one. So essentially kind of, you know, in the kind of classic television industry, everything's subject to green light, right? And so, you know, certain networks or providers are gonna, you know, kind of green light different content. And there's a ton of athletes out there, so there's not possible enough green lighting if, you know, ESPN's gonna do a few projects and HBO's gonna do just a few projects, right? And so really we thought, hey, we have the power of the group collective, let's bring everybody together and essentially kind of, you know, change the entire process of what it means to create sports content and distribute sports content. So really we kind of, you know, try to think about the ecosystem in a completely different way and then essentially, you know, kind of build out that ecosystem ourselves. Understood. So you have some pretty big time athletes involved with this. I mean, frankly, I think all of them are pretty big time athletes that are involved. Um, talk to us about who those people are and how you've gotten, to, gotten them excited about coming on board. Yeah, so we've got over 50 professional athletes as investors, partners, um, and really, you know, it was a very slow slog to get everybody involved. Um, so essentially, we went on the road, it was about two years before we launched the company, um, and we were just kind of like spider webbing and organically connecting between the athletes. So um, Anthony Tolliver was the very first player who, who jumped on board with us. He's, um, you know, kind of a journeyman NBA guy, was in the league for over 10 years, um, but is really respected as a businessman among the league. And so he was very connected to a lot of these athletes. And so essentially what we did was we kind of went one by one and we strategically chose athletes that were already doing interesting things in the content space. And essentially they were kind of peer influencers to the other athletes. So we kind of put together a target list or, or draft board, so to speak. Um, and we just kind of like systematically went one by one. And it was about two years of sleeping in airports and crappy hotels and, <laughs> you know, meeting up with an athlete and then they have to cancel at the last second and all that sort of good stuff. So, um, you know, we started real ecosystem goes was they're kind of significantly ahead of some of the other sports, right? They, you know, uh, a lot of the athletes are thinking about creating their own production companies and getting into the content game uh, much more in the basketball space than in other sports. You know, kind of this was circa 2019, kind of around then. Um, so essentially, I would say like the big tipping point was when we met with Chris Paul and got him on board. Um, he was kind of like the first like really big name that we brought to the company. Um, and then after that, it was just kind of a little bit of a, of a spider web and waterfall there. So, you know, in the NBA, we got guys like, uh, you know, Chris Paul, like I mentioned, Dwayne Wade, Kyrie Irving, Carmelo Anthony, um, Damian Lillard, and then a bunch of other guys. 
Um, and then essentially, you know, in football, we got guys like Travis Kelsey and Austin Eckler, a fantasy football favorite. We're kind of loaded with a lot of Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers, um, and some of the, the best pros to kind of do it in the game. So, and B, how do we do it together and the power of you versus me? But in business, they can come together and win. Um, and so essentially that was kind of the power of the group collective and we brought everybody together and, and then we've been uh, uh, running ever since. So I, I kind of think of two major forces, and this is an area that I'm, I'm really interested in as someone who loves media and loves sports. I, I think this is a really interesting space, but you know, you've kind of had two major trend lines, right? The, mm -hmm. the one trend line is streaming and podcasts have had a dramatic effect on enabling everyone to be able to create content. And streaming has allowed a lot more projects to get green-lighted, right? If you go on ESPN+, Plus, I mean, there is so many different shows about everything and anything you could think about within sports. And then you go on the podcast, you know, networks, and you could find all sorts. Right, Draymond Green has his own podcast show. I mean, a lot of these guys have podcasts and stuff like that. The Kelsey Brothers. Um, it's a lot of fun, and it's a way to interact directly with the players, which is super interesting. And then I think the other major trend line that we've all been watching is this idea that um, athletes want to own their brand. They want to be their own businesses. They're becoming a lot more business savvy, right? Kevin Durant has his own venture fund. Um, so you have this like desire for ownership and then this ability to spread media in a new way. Um, so can you talk to me about how those components are, are driving this engagement and this buy-in from this athletes network to want to work with you guys? Yeah, you know, I mean, athletes are incredibly savvy when it comes to business. You know, there's kind of this like stereotypical, I think, um, you know, kind of thought from the hear stories about athletes getting fleeced over by investment people and, you know, whatever. But it's really not like that anymore. Um, athletes are incredibly savvy. They surround themselves with like edge. Um, a lot of them have a lot of this training even before they hit the league that they go into. Um, and so essentially, you know, I've been blown away with how just polished and on top of it all, you know, athletes are. They want to be involved in our business, which is kind of a huge piece of what we always say, you know, with a company, we're trying to essentially make decisions with two two things in mind. Number one, what's best for the athletes, and number two, what's best for fans. Um, and then number three, how does the company make money, obviously. But um, essentially, you know, the podcasting and streaming and all that sort of good stuff, it's really kind of more of like a proof of concept, right? And it gives, it's, a, it's a low barrier entry for athletes to get an opportunity to create content. What we're really excited about is you know, we're kind of in uncharted territories where athletes are wanting to be more creative. They're wanting to show off more of their personalities and their personal brands and really kind of build something from the ground up. Um, the, you know, is, is kind of changing the game from a legacy perspective in the United States and even internationally. A lot of them have a massive media portfolio and it's no reason why, or it's no secret why, right? You know, so like you think about the Kroenke family, you know, they own the Nuggets, they just won the championship. They've got a ton of sports properties and they've also got a massive media, uh, you know, kind of empire as well. And so athletes are seeing a lot of these chess moves and a lot of times they're surrounding themselves with advisors, personal friends um, who are kind of in the space and they're starting to understand the power of IP ownership and really kind of like owning their content, owning their own distribution rather than just getting paid a talent fee or whatever it is, which has kind of been the standard norm. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think that's probably the biggest piece where most of these athletes are excited about it is, you know, you can own your own stuff, almost like if you're a recording artist and you can own your own, sell it to Netflix or wherever it is. Um, and so really thinking about it from kind of like, you know, uh, chess rather than checkers, so to speak, is really, I think, what a lot of our athletes are excited about. And having the opportunity to, to get in, you know, early on it before, you know, uh, 
you know, the mega companies that are out there in the sports media landscape are kind of, you know, essentially, uh, you know, getting their content on one hand, wanting to bring them on shows, but then are going to talk trash about them when they shoot two for 18 in a game. Um, and so essentially that's kind of, you know, I'd say, I'd say a little bit of the secret sauce of what we got going with them. Well, it's funny you say this idea of like kind of the first generation of them actually owning their content. Cause you, if, for those who aren't watching the video of this, um, you have uh, some nice Jordan photos behind you or, or, or prints. And, and Jordan, right, was really the first one to get ownership in future revenues. And that's how he became a billionaire. It wasn't from being a basketball player. It was from the revenues in his shoes. Um, and very much what you're talking about here is, like, if you can create great content and really be the owner of the monetization of that over its lifetime, that could end up becoming the portfolio that truly makes some of these athletes super, super wealthy, not just, you know, well-to-do. Um, so let's talk about some of the successes that you've had to date. What are some of the big wins that you've had for athletes? What are some of the shows that are out there that we should be checking out? Yeah, so, I mean, it's been pretty incredible. We basically, you know, we really focused on distribution first, like I mentioned. So we set up a, a, a live digital linear channel, which is basically, you know, this show plays at 7 p.m., this show plays at 8 p.m., and we're in a bunch of different distributors there. So basically, you know, we just kind of started on the march, getting different distribution, different outlets. Um, so currently, we're just getting ready to launch a, a new or announce a new deal, which I don't think I can say quite yet. Um, but essentially, it's going to build our distribution to about 30 million or 300 million homes and devices. Um, and it's a very household name. A lot of, you know, uh, the listeners here probably, you know, basically, you know, we've been on kind of the, the ground march to essentially get distribution in as many different places as possible. So essentially, we've unlocked about 100 million uh, monthly advertising uh, impressions available. And then, you know, we've got uh, distribution in about 90 airports and, and all that sort of good stuff. Um, so essentially, you know, the whole name of the game is we've got this one piece of content, or in our case, uh, you know, the channel that's programmed out. And then how do we get that channel in as many different places as possible for, you know, max eyeballs, max impressions, and all that sort of good stuff. So, you know, that's really kind of was our first goal was to solve how do you get more eyeballs on one piece of content? Because in general, brand says, hey, we want to do this content with an athlete. We love the concept. And they say, but where is it going to live? How many impressions is it going to get? And in the past, it's been, you know, maybe it gets on ESPN and ESPN can sell in their ecosystem. You know, maybe it's on, you know, somebody like Turner Sports or Bleacher Report or something like that. Um, but for the most part, it's just athletes saying, hey, we'll post whatever content on our social media and it's going to get X number of views, right? Which is generally, you know, uh, throttled by the social media platform. So instead, now we have the conversation of, hey, we've got this vast distribution ecosystem with digital publishers, with airports, with our linear channel and a bunch of different places we're going to take that one show and we're going to spread it across the ecosystem and get a ton of eyeballs on it. So the conversation from a brand perspective is completely different um, and it makes it makes a huge difference. So I would say that would be a huge win. Um, you know, kind of the other piece I think that would be huge is, you know, we have a ton of athletes as investors that have actually put checks into the company. A lot of people don't realize that it is very difficult to get an athlete to invest now because they have such powerful brands and personal brands um, that most of the time they'll do stuff for like sweat equity. Um, so the fact that we were able to get athletes to actually cut a check really, I think, you know, solidifies the, the validity of what we're, we're trying to build here. Um, so I would say that, you know, that's kind of another, another nice little feather in our cap. And then other than that, you know, we've already produced a handful of original series. Um, you know, I believe we did about $5.5 million in revenue over the last two years, really kind of setting up the groundwork and the foundation for distribution and the ecosystem. So I think we've shot content with over 30 professional athletes thus far in different, you know, kind of branded series and that sort of stuff. Um, and really kind of, you know, just, just built the wings onto the airplane and get ready to take off. Yeah, can you tell us about some of the series that you've created and some of the content that you've produced? 
Yeah, so I think what's really cool about what we do is we, you know, a lot of companies will say, hey, we got this concept and let's kind of try to shove an athlete into it. It might be kind of a square peg in a round hole. Instead, what we want to create, and then we kind of tweak them to make them a little bit more, you know, higher entertainment value or whatever it is. But a lot of times it's an ideation back and forth where maybe we'll give them a few options and then they'll kind of put their spin on it. And so it's a very collaborative process, which is something that I think a lot of athletes don't get the opportunity to do, but they always thrive under. Like my mind is blown at how creative a lot of these professional athletes are at how kind of outside of the box they can think about things. Um, and there's kind of these creative threads that run through the athlete community that makes it really want to pay you to be a part of it. Instead, it's, this is our show that we own together, you know, business, philanthropy, cooking, uh, lifestyle, all that sort of good stuff. Like for example, we did a show called cooking clean with Deandre Jordan, who just won a championship. Shout out Deandre. Um, and essentially it was a vegan cooking show. So he's like a giant seven foot basketball player and he's cooking up these vegan dishes and everything like that. And then after that, we got like this giant, you know, community of vegans that started following all, everything that we do, um, just because it was a way to connect with their community. Um, so that was a great example of something, you know, a passion with DJ that he wanted to create. Um, then another, uh, you know, kind of big series that we've had was called front office. It was actually kind of loosely based on my co-founder and I's, um, you know, and they're in a boardroom and they get head to head pitches from two different companies. And then they essentially decide if they want to invest in one or both or, or whatever. Um, and it's a really cool inside look into an athlete's actual investing process. Um, and so it's, you know, high drama. They, you know, you can really see how like professional they are in the way they kind of evaluate deals and deal flow and all that good stuff. Um, so I'd say that's kind of another really cool one. So, you know, we do a handful of different stuff, um, but those are, I would say, two of the two of the more kind of like entertaining ones that we've done uh, recently. Love that. And if folks want to go check out some of the content that you guys have produced, can they find it on playerstv.com? Yeah. So if you go to playerstv.com, we have the linear feed running right there. You can check, check us out on a bunch of different distributors as well. We're on like, you know, Sling, Philo, Vizio, um, as well as a handful of others. And, and you can see that on the website too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the live feed's always going on, you know, it's obviously live television, so it's not, you know, video on demand type stuff, but with some of our distributors, there are video on demand assets where you can watch things, uh, in real time there too. Love that. So now let's get into how do you actually make money from doing this? You mentioned you've made five and a half million in the last two years, which is really, really good. Um, so how is it that you're monetizing this business and what is the fee structure where the athletes make money and you make money? Yeah, so it kind of depends on how we partner with an athlete. Sometimes they bring us their project and their IP, and we're just kind of a monetization engine. At that point, normally it's a higher split for the athlete than it is for us because it's their thing, it's their connection. We're basically just kind of amplifying it, more or less. Um, I would say we don't do that super often just because most athletes are wanting to partner up together. So most of the time we own the content that we produce together 50-50. Um, and then essentially, you know, however it monetizes, we break down. Sometimes they get like an executive producer fee. Sometimes they get a talent fee, depending on what it is. But then we own the content if we produce it with them uh, together for the life. So if we, you know, let's say down the line, we uh, license the show, you know, internationally or whatever, they're going to get a cut of that too. So a lot of times the athletes are interested in kind of the long tail back end rather than the kind of like this upfront payment, um, which is not how most traditional media companies work with professional athletes, which is kind of cool. Um, so, you know, that's kind of how we work with a lot of athletes. You know, sometimes we'll just pay a talent fee, depending on if it's like a smaller thing or a smaller project. And we're, you know, looking to bring more athletes involved who maybe aren't on our official roster. Um, you know, the other cool thing is all of our athletes have contractual obligations for a certain number of production hours with us each year. So currently we have about 270, uh, annually, uh, recurring hours with professional athletes. Um, you know, we're probably going to get that up over 300, 350, hopefully in the next year. 
Um, and essentially, you know, it basically means, hey, we've got a show. We need you for two hours. Why don't we use two of your hours in your contract and, and get them on set? So that's normally how we work with a professional athlete as far as that sort of stuff goes and, you know, kind of the long tail monetization that most of the time they're interested in. As a company, you know, up till uh, a couple months ago, essentially we were kind of about 80% branded content sales, you know, so sponsored concept, this show's brought to you by Ford or whoever. Um, and then we were about 20% advertising sales. So, you know, essentially the, the ads that run around the content. Um, we're now probably moving to about 50-50. Um, where it's a little bit, you know, kind of uh, a nice mix of the two. And then probably over the next year, it's going to probably flip a bit because at that point you're working with media buyers that are just looking to play. So because we've unlocked kind of the distribution ecosystem and now can guarantee 100 million monthly impressions to advertisers, it's really kind of unlocked it. So what's nice is that has like pretty much unlimited scale. Um, and so we're really excited about, you know, both the ad sales team and the sponsored content, but they really kind of work symbiotically together. Is there any network effect or, or value to having this network of actual athletes that are involved and invested in and creating the content like them sharing it and all of that as well? Or is it really about the distribution network that you've built? Yeah, the great part is we've built the distribution to where we don't need athletes to promote the stuff. We get them to promote the stuff and they promote the stuff because most of the time they're passionate about it, which makes it a lot easier, sure. right? They're not promoting a project that they're not interested in. Um, but you know, essentially what's great about this ecosystem we've built is whatever the athlete promotes is just like the cherry on top. And in general, when it comes to like the amount of, you know, let's say advertising impressions. So I think we just did a deal where we had to guarantee 10 million advertising impressions. An athlete doesn't want to post about the thing, you know, 20 times on their social media. They want to post about it once, twice, but they want, don't want to oversaturate it. You know, don't want to be like constantly bombarding their fans with, you know, kind of branded content or whatever it is. Um, so it's nice because we can have them support. They can be a part of it. Um, they can, you know, be really excited about the project, but we're not only relying on them for the promotion, which is what a lot of media companies have to do because they don't have the distribution ecosystem that we've built. Um, and so essentially it's really nice because instead of us constantly hitting them and say, hey, we need you to promote, we need you to promote, we need you to promote, they, you know, kind of do the launch engine on the back end and, and make it happen. Now, I would imagine one of the expansionary areas, because we're talking about how professional athletes have be, really become professional business people too. But now there's a new generation where it's going even a step further, right? With name, image, and likeness in college. Now all these college athletes are kind of becoming professional business people as well, right? Your Olivia Dunn's who are making millions of dollars and all these folks, it, it's kind of unbelievable. Do you look at NIL and college athletes as an expansionary category that you could begin going after? Yeah, for sure. We're definitely keeping an eye on it. And what's kind of great is when you have the like the caliber and quality of athletes that we have in our roster, it's really kind of like the best, you know, essentially testimonial that you could possibly have when you go to talk to other athletes. Um, you know, from an NIL perspective, we haven't focused on it much because we've wanted to really kind of lock down the professional industry. You know, long term, we see that's where kind of like the largest market is and, and essentially where uh, the largest growth factor most likely is. But with that being said, that's definitely an industry that I think we're, you know, we, ha we have a few kind of strategic plans to weave it into to our ecosystem and what we have going on. And really, I think there's an interesting way to kind of almost turn, turn uh, the NIL scene into a farm system to what we have going on. You know, a lot of these uh, athletes are going to start getting more content reps in college that maybe they wouldn't have until they're in the professional ranks. And because of that, they're going to come in more polished. Maybe there's a way, you know, we can kind of get them into our funnel a little bit earlier and essentially kind of continue to build the content, uh, you know, or not the content, but the talent side of the business, you know, even more so. So from a talent side, in addition to kind of NIL being a longer term opportunity, what other sports, I know you say you kind of went basketball heavy to start. 
and, and now you're starting to get some of that football as well, but what are some of the other kind of sports categories that you think are most ripe to see, you know, talent acquisition begin happening from? Yeah, so I mean, so we, you know, we're definitely heavier basketball. So of the 50 plus, it's probably like 30-ish NBA, WNBA players. Um, so professional basketball is huge. You know, I think a lot of the other sports are just like absolutely starved to get into this kind of industry, right? You know, baseball, I think, is a huge expansion point for us. Football is a huge expansion point. You know, the football players are constantly, you know, saying, hey, how can I get more marketable when, you know, my face is covered up with a helmet every time anybody sees me? Um, so I think there's some huge expansion there. You know, we're also checking internationally a lot, you know, even, you know, soccer, cricket, things like that. When we start kind of going to international distribution, I think there's a ton of meat on that bone as well. And then in general, you know, there's there's really interesting suspects like, you know, female athletes, um, you know, don't get near as much coverage as they need to get. And so essentially, you know, we're excited about being the, the distribution ecosystem and essentially the network that can put people in front of eyeballs, right? And so if there is a female athlete or, you know, a different sport that's maybe like a little bit off the beaten path, but somebody is an incredible talent, we can put them in the forefront and essentially kind of help build their brand and our brand. And essentially, you know, just like ESPN might make a, a Stephen A. Smith or something like that. We can do the same thing with our network too. So um, when you're talking internationally, ton of expansion opportunities, and I think you know female athletes are one that we're we're really uh, getting ready to have a, have a, a big push here in the next few months as well. So as you kind of look out into the future, what else do you think we'll see evolve in kind of the media sports landscape that will continue to change, and how will you thrive because of those changes? There's kind of this unspoken war between the media and athletes, right? And it's kind of this natural need for sensationalism and, and more clicks and more views and all that sort of good stuff. And essentially, you know, athletes are starting to get a little bit perturbed, I would guess, uh, by, you know, the same networks that are going to dog them if they have a poor shooting performance or whatever it is are going to be the same networks that want them to, you know, break where they're signing in free agency and where they're going to, you know, bring their exclusive documentary and all that sort of stuff. And so I think, you know, where we're going in the future and why we're really excited is I think, you know, the more athletes realize that they have more power and that they can actually own their own IP and own their own distribution, um, you know, I think we're going to see an industry where athletes have an opportunity to create their own, you know, narratives with them, their own voice, right? So Day Draymond Green's a great example. You know, he starts a podcast. He, he basically records right after a game and he can talk about an incident that happened in the game. And there's no kind of like side spin and how somebody interpreted it or whatever. It's literally like, this happened, this is why I did it, blah, 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 right? Um, and so I think that's gonna be a huge piece where athletes kind of understand that, you know, to own their own brand completely, they've gotta be able to own the entire process of their content. Um, and so, you know, I think we're, we're primed for that. You know, we've built kind of a massive moat in the industry because, you know, once once you have the talent, it becomes very difficult, uh, you know, to, to essentially kind of poach that talent. Um, and so, you know, I think long term, that's our vision is to be kind of the safe space for athletes to explore their creativity, to create things that haven't been created before and really do things that connect, you know, essentially with fans and really kind of strengthen the bond. Right. And so that's one of the pieces of content that I think athletes really love is like, you know, DeAndre Jordan makes a cooking show. It's cool. It's awesome. But really like the connection of a fan to DeAndre. And now when they watch him on court, they have like a deeper connection and care more about him as a person, and as a player. That's really kind of where the magic happens. So I think the more athletes kind of realize that and the more the industry starts to evolve, I think they're going to have more and more power in the process. Absolutely. One other thing that I was just curious to get your thoughts on. I know ESPN has recently spoke about 
um, moving away from basically being a cable channel and really leaning into the only way you could access ESPN is versus, you know, their, their streaming service, which would definitely disrupt the cable industry. Does that create any opportunities for you? And frankly, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. And it all comes back to distribution and owning the rails, right? At the end of the day, currently, ESPN doesn't own their distribution if it's going through, you know, just cable providers. Now, with that being said, ESPN has a boatload of leverage amongst those cable providers because they've got the, uh, you know, Papa Disney <laughs> at the back over there. <laughs> and they can they can have a lot more leverage than your average, you know, cable channel. But with that being said, it's the type of thing where I think it makes sense. The more you can own your own content, the more you can own your own rails, monetize your own data, monetize your own users. Um, it just makes sense. You know, for us, we have some heavy plans uh, in, in, you know, kind of the space and, you know, that's, that's uh, something for another day. But I think what's really interesting is it just kind of it continues the trend of like a company now understands that like your business model can change overnight if you don't own the data and you don't own your own users, right? You know, I had a bunch of friends who had popping businesses back in the day for, through Facebook and, you know, Facebook communities and Facebook ads. And then all of a sudden Facebook makes one tiny tweak. And then all of a sudden, you know, basically you're not diversified and your business is in trouble. Um, and so I think, you know, Netflix kind of did a nice little okie doke with everybody in the industry where they're like, Hey, we'll pay you a bunch of money for your content. Like, come on in, come on in. And then they flip the switch. And then all of a sudden, you know, they've got like just unlimited funds to create, you know, a ton of content. Um, you know, I think that kind of put a lot of different industries on notice when it comes to content of like, Hey, you got to protect your own users and you got to protect your own distribution. Um, you know, so that's something that we'll, we'll always focus on at players TV for sure. So last question for you here, um, for those who are interested in investing on the line, what's kind of your final pitch to them? Why should they invest in players TV? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest the biggest key is we're at, we're at a bit of an inflection point, we feel, you know, from a revenue perspective, from, uh, you know, making a ton of noise in the industry. Um, and we feel like, you know, much like different, you know, kind of sports media companies in the past have grown and become huge, like the Bleacher Reports of the world. We feel like we're truly on the cusp of that uh, with what we do. Um, and really kind of the, the defensible moat, so to speak, is just that we have the most premium athletes uh, as part of our roster. And they're actually built, you know, committed to growing this company with us. Uh, so like literally we have athletes who jump on distribution calls with us, um, you know, and they're singing the praises of Players TV and why this is needed in the industry. Um, and so really, you know, I think at the end of the day, we feel like we're the future of sports media um, and that, you know, if you're a fan and you connect with athletes um, and you see the, the, the ecosystem ever evolving, um, it just makes sense to have a platform and a community where fans can actually, you know, be a part of the process with professional athletes as well. So I think, you know, we're, we're on the launch pad getting ready to take off. We kind of took the last couple of years just to make sure we had the foundation right. Everything was set, uh, you know, kind of put the moats in place and all that sort of good stuff um, and get, get ready to fire this thing off into the stratosphere. I would say we're in a time where people desire more than ever that like the narrative around sports, being able to connect directly with the athletes, hear more about their stories, connect with their content, um, and you're sitting at the intersection of all of those things, which I think is such an interesting spot. And then, you know, if you're a fan or, and a sports fan, um, you know, I always say, like, you, you, you need to invest in things you know and understand and all of that. But also it comes into your passions and the things that excite you. And that idea that you can invest alongside a Travis Kelsey and a Chris Paul and be a part of something that they are invested in, too, um, I, I just think is a really unique opportunity and something that should excite fans. 
Um, so anyway, I think it's a really unique opp opportunity, a really fun investment, um, and I think you've built a, a very, very exciting company that's well positioned here for the next several years. So Colin, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Hey, much appreciated. I, I'm glad I was able to come on and it's always fun chopping it up. And I mean, uh, I could go for about four hours on this sort of stuff. So this was, this was light work. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Well, Colin, thanks so much. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, and if you're interested, you could check out uh, Players TV on Kingscred to learn more about them and you can go and invest via their issuance page. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to use the same tools I do to find amazing founders like the ones I have on the show to power your investment decisions, you can head on over to kingscrowd.com backslash startups to try out our Edge Pro Toolkit for 30 days free.